time for Wednesday's hour number two on Hashtag Daily K with your host, Peter Bint. Korean dramas, movies, and even lyrics. Why is the world paying attention to Korean stories? From classics to modern masterpieces, time to dig deep into the charms of Korean literature. On Check It Out with Paul. raspberry here and there with this music would go well like what do you think no you're not gonna let me say hello sorry i thought you could say hello with one of those underarm raspberries i can't do, do you not do that for the kids i'm not i'm not too hairy to do that oh that's true you need to get enough like suction i guess between skin ever yeah. thought of waxing that area just for a raspberry underarm no i don't no. know why i'm doing this hey, i'm sorry Peter, yeah give me a b a B. Give me an A. No, no. Give me I know an where a. you're going Give with me this. an A. No, Give me thank an a. you. Give me an A. No Give me an A-L-L-E-R-G-Y. M-O-N-K-E-Y. What's it spell? I don't know. Your bananas. That's what it spells. That reminds me. I watched episode 10 of Ooyong Oo yesterday. Yes. And did you, you watched it all, have I've you? I've watched it all. Okay, so you must remember this when they had a date between the chef guy and her lawyer friend. Yes. And he was doing all the funny jokes, the Ajay jokes. Yeah. And he did the banana thing as well. He mm. was like, banana? Would you like uh, fall into me? And I thought of you. I thought of banana allergy monkey. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. There we go. That's yeah. what I do on a Tuesday <laughs> evening. There we go. Uh, have it's you lovely. had a good week, Paul? I have had a good week. I've had a busy week, but I finished I finished my first draft of my new play yesterday, Ooh. so I'm in a good mood. Fantastic. We uh, will love to listen to it. Maybe you could present it on the show one no. week as a check it out special. No, no. I'm writing it for Sunchon especially. All right, fine. Sunchon is lucky. We're not so much. All right, let's get to today's second to last in our short story summer special. Oh, you said it right this time. Did I noticed right? before the song break you, you said it I wrong. Say? I don't know, but it was not what we agreed on. Yeah, I came up with a different title. Yeah, summer special work. short story or No, something. the short story summer special. It's okay. the second to last one today. I've got a fascinating <laughs> short story. It's going to be especially interesting for long-term listeners with long memories. Oh. And uh, Leon, I've got your message. I'm going to save that for part three because okay. it's a very good question. Mm. Um, it's called Consumption. It's written by Chairs Ho-Hare and translated by Janet Hong. And we get to witness how hard it could be in the 90s 1920s, when you didn't even have enough money to pay for medicine to treat your sick wife. Oh, this does ring a bell, like a similar kind of story Perhaps. that I think we've done. Perhaps. Is that what you mean? I'm, when... not, gonna, I'm not saying anything. Okay. I'm not saying anything. All will be revealed later? Maybe. We'll talk about things. Okay, Liam's already spoiling it in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be left hanging to the end, but I'm not going to read Leon's comment. I'm saving the best till last, as we've said. So the author, have we done chairs or hair? Oh, we did. It's our second time featuring him. Uh, he was born in 1901 in North Hamgyong province, uh, which is in now North Korea. Mm -hmm. uh, he lived in poverty as he was growing up. He didn't even get a formal education, but oh he always wanted to write. Okay. And he made his debut in 1924 with his, with his story Homeland and kept writing and writing. And he would always write about the hardships of ordinary people, what mm. we call the literature of poverty. Okay. And it was about 
rejecting the established order, doing what you could to survive. Okay. Um, and unfortunately, he did not survive. He died at the age of 31 oh, in no. 1932. But we still have his stories. And we did feature Hunger and Slaughter last November. Uh-huh. Another of his stories that is available for free online if you want to read it. Is that another shortish It's one? It's a very short one as well. Okay, so you can pick up both of these online for free. Tell us about the translator, Janet Hong. We've definitely featured her. Oh, yes. I mean, we featured her in this uh, summer special. Mm. Uh, the first story, Child's Bone by Yi Sang, uh, yes. was translated by her. She's a brilliant translator. She, she does short stories. She does novels. She does graphic novels. Um, I have to say, I, we don't feature graphic novels on this mm. show because it's difficult to talk about <laughs> pictures. But I would say check out her translated comic books. There's uh, ones by Young Shin Ma, ones by Anko, one by Gumsuk Gendry Kim. Uh, she's a brilliant translator and always a pleasure to feature her work on the show. Fabulous. So we're going to pick it up at the beginning of the story. Is there anything to set the scene about? Uh, no, this is the very beginning of the story. It'll set it up for us. All right, let's take it away. February, and spring has not yet come to this northern region. The sky is filled with grey clouds as though it is going to snow. The wind passing over the Woljil Pass is extremely cold. The day is already darkening. I sink down outside my hut with the heavy load of wood I barely manage to carry still on my back. My joints are numb with cold. Sweat drips from my forehead and my whole body feels feverish. Now that I'm home, I don't even have the energy to remove my burden. I've known only fine things until now. Although I might have experienced some emotional distress, I have never known any physical anguish. I have no brothers or sisters. As for my father, he went overseas when I was still a babe and that was the last I heard of him. And so it was my mother who raised me. As her only son and child, she doted on me and I led a sheltered existence. We weren't able to amass a fortune, but because she was skilled and clever, our lives were not difficult. Saving little by little, she fared and clothed me with fine things. We lived comfortably, knowing no lack. I had never even carried a load of wood before. I would have shuddered to set my eyes on the shabby clothes that I now wear. The fate of my family now depends on me. It's up to me whether they eat or starve. Mother is an old woman now. Her hair is entirely white. Even her acumen has declined with age. I also have a wife. I even have a child named Mongju, who turned three this year. But for over a month now, my wife has been moaning on her sickbed. I still haven't found any work. There is not one soul who has helped us in this unfamiliar land. We are badly off. Now that it's my turn to provide for mother, I cannot give her, who has endured every kind of trouble to raise the son she loved, even a chance to eat her fill of cold millet. But worse than that, I have yet to give my wife, who lies wrapped in a thin sheet moaning on the cold kitchen hearth, even a sip of warm medicine.
Siska's saying, sounds like a sad story, sad background music too. Yes, no happy endings here. And Tropic Girl, oh my gosh, what has happened to this family? Uprooted by war. It's a sense of false security sometimes. Life could be good, but it may not take much to change your situation and your comfort levels. Death, pandemic, (gasps) war. All of those things, yeah, perhaps at once as well. You really felt through that reading he was feeling really... A little bit worthless, like he should be able to provide like his mother provided to him. And you can feel, yeah, that real kind of sense of sorrow. Like, I'm sorry to you guys for not being able to do that. But things have changed. Mm. And Sherry says, I feel like this story is so relevant even right now with the soaring cost of living all over the world. Yeah, and I'm sure us here in the studio, many people listening, you know, we're quite lucky to be in the positions we are, maybe even some of us struggling compared to those really at the bottom rungs of the ladder. It must be really tough to get day by day by on what you're earning, I suppose. It is. It's really difficult sometimes, but this is what we're faced with, and it's the time. Mm. Um, Sherry Russell says, Paul, you have to pick some books that are not so hopeless. (laughs) Um, I'm sorry, I know this summer special, we had a lot of sadness, but there's Mm. a reason for that. Classic Korean literature written in the early 20th century was written during the time of Japanese occupation, Yes, and there was a lot of suffering going on, and that's why we're faced with a situation here with a family that may have been well off before, but once Mm -hmm. the Japanese come in, once they've been displaced, things are not so good. And so is there any hope in this story? Nope, nope, completely hopeless. Sorry, sorry, Sherry Russell. (laughs) Let's be honest about it, not raise any hope. But it's an important story. It's a really good story, and Mm -hmm. I hope you'll stick with it. Okay. So, yes, so we've got this burden narrator. He has to look after his whole family, but he can't find any work, and he's filled with shame. His family try and cheer him up and show no sign of discontent. That's nice. I mean, when he arrives home with this big bundle of wood, his daughter is smiling at the window, greeting him. And for a moment, he forgets that pain and sorrow. Mm. And then he sees his mother's pained face, and he's reminded of the true situation. Oh, dear. Uh, She's like, do you want some breakfast? And he... He lies. He says, I'm not hungry. I've already eaten Uh to save her from making food for him. He doesn't want to waste any food on himself. And he goes to see his wife, who's lying pale and skinny by the hearth in the kitchen. Mm. And his heart is broken seeing her in such pain. And he goes to take a rest. He lies down. But as he sleeps, he has nightmares, nightmares of flames devouring their home. And when he wakes up, he has an awful thought. Mm. He thinks, what a relief it would be if they all died. Mm. But then he thinks, no, even if I bury them, I'll never be free. And they have the right to live. Mm. Why why would I ever want them to die? They're my family. Goodness gracious. Yeah, when you're in such a desperate situation, you're going to have desperate thoughts. You are, yes. I did see uh, an article recently. I think it's big in the news at the moment of a family maybe in Incheon, like a mother and a couple of girls who were... Uh, you know, facing severe medical bills. They're at the bottom rung of the social ladder and they all, well, I think the mother made the kids commit suicide and they all died together. And hopefully we don't face this situation in modern times. It should not be that way. But even more so back then, there must have been no social kind of safety net or anything like that. Yeah, it's it's a complete tragedy. All right. I can't say I'm looking forward to the second reading, but let's have it anyway. Okay.
Darling, my wife whispers. What is it? I get to my feet at once with a scowl, replying as though I'm annoyed. But I'm not upset at her. If anything, I'm upset at myself. Hearing my curt reply, she gazes at my irritated face and shuts her eyes again. Tears seep from her closed eyes. My insides tear into a thousand pieces. Why did I take out my frustration on her? Could I have at least made things comfortable for her when I couldn't even properly tend to her sickness? I'm overwhelmed by shame and remorse. I go to her side and massage her arms. Her limbs twist and shrink and writhe. She starts to convulse. She looks utterly wretched. Her forehead beads with sweat. Her breathing grows ragged. I think she's going to die. Sweetheart, I say. Her tongue sticks to the roof of her mouth and she is unable to answer. Her eyes become bloodshot. They flash open and close again. Mother, who has been massaging my wife's legs, begins to weep. We've let you die. We've let you die. Without even giving you a taste of medicine. She wails. Mommy. Mommy. Says Mongju, who, oblivious to what is happening, climbs atop her unconscious mother to nurse at her breast. Tears stream from my eyes. What can I do? If only we could call a doctor and get some medicine, go explain our situation and find someone, my mother says, half weeping. I stand up without a word. The day is already dark. Smoke rises from every house, announcing dinner. The wind grows crueler. might think I don't want to hear these kind of sad stories just don't want to feel this way but we can't just turn a blind eye and I, I guess it's works like this maybe films as well and even songs that make us realize the other side yeah. and, and hopefully inspire us not to ignore that other side right? exactly we have to we have to learn our lessons from history and literature is a very good way for us to emotionally co connect mm. to lives that are very different to our own yeah we we have never been in this situation you and i and i hope none of our listeners have mm -hmm. but the way that chair tohe writes and the way that janet hong translates means we can feel what it might be like to be in this family yeah, Sherry Osborne having exactly the same thought as me, and we might get onto this later. The story sounds very familiar. I remember another one where someone was thinking it would be easier if his family died. Sherry, hang on to part three <laughs> when all will be revealed. So, do they get a doctor to come? I'm fearing not. No, they do. They, they, he manages to get a doctor to come. Okay. And he arrives promptly. He checks the wife's condition. He says he can fix her. He can make her better. Uh-huh. But they're going to have to sign a contract to make sure that they pay him once she gets better. All right, I'd sign anything in this case, to be honest. Yeah, but he's asking for 100 won, oh. and he'll bring her back to health, and 100 won is a lot of money. <sighs> and the narrator, he does not know how, how on God's green earth he's going to get his hands on that kind of money. Mm. But his mother just blurts out, we'll pay. Sure. And they verbally agree to the deal. Mm -hmm. And the doctor, he does his work. He inserts his needles, he writes up a prescription, and already his wife is perking up. She's looking better. It wow. seems to be okay. okay. And the doctor, as he leaves, he says, don't forget the agreement. You've mm -hmm. got to pay me. Of course. Now, 
time for the medicine. Mm. So the narrator heads to the pharmacy, but he's greeted by the grumpy owner mm. who says, well... If you don't have any money, I can't give you the drugs. Oh, no. I'm not going to give you credit. Oh. No, you bring your cash and I'll give you the medicine. And he's, he's raging at this point, the narrator. Sure. He's so angry. He returns home. He can't bear to tell his wife the truth. Mm. And she's looking and feeling better. Yeah. And he says, well, where's my mum? And she says, oh, she left right after you did. Okay. And suddenly he starts to feel uneasy. Mm. And he and his wife, they talk, because she's more sort of awake and able to sort of be conscious. And they hear noises outside. And he goes to look, and he finds a man carrying a body. Oh, no. His mother. (gasps) When they bring her into the house. We lay her down inside the room. Her grimy clothes, which she had worn since last fall, are dark with blood. Blood flows from her face and legs. I clasp her cold hand and embrace her. She does not wake. She is still breathing, but her breathing is very weak. The people sitting and standing around in the room chatter loudly. What on earth happened, I ask? This is what Kim says. Kim had gone to Sunan village that evening and was on his way back when he heard a dog barking incessantly. It was the dog that belonged to the Chinese family near the corner of the big bridge. Then mixed in with the noisy barking, he heard someone shouting, Help! Help! When Kim ran up to see, he discovered that the person shouting for help was my mother. Even while the dog was attacking her, she held on to her little bundle. He managed to chase away the dog and the person who was accompanying Kim carried mother on his back and Kim followed with the bundle. What's in that bundle? Lee asks. It is only two or three handfuls of millet. Mother had gone to Sunam to get food. She had taken off her hairpiece to sell for our supper. My wife begins to weep. Despite her sickness, she wails loudly. Even Mongju, who had been sleeping, wakes up from the noise. She goes up to mother and holds her face with both hands, saying, Up! Up! She is telling mother to get up, but mother doesn't move. Then Mongju starts to cry. Not one soul offers to boil water for mother. I don't weep. There are no tears. My heart fills with rage. I want to smash something. I want to run wild. All of a sudden I feel dizzy. I can't breathe. A foul stench surges up from my throat and pierces my nose. My breathing grows ragged. It feels like my heart is going to stop. Gagging. I hit my chest. Someone pounds my back. I retch. What comes out is a lump of blood. Oh, what a miserable life. The sounds of my wife and Mongju crying ring dimly in my ears. Oh, 
Oh, you just feel how miserable of a life this is, really. In your skin, in your veins, it's awful. I feel so terrible for him and his family. And now what's wrong with him? A lump of blood? His mother dead as well? Is mm, his wife going to die, it seems like, still? No, uh, well, we don't know. This is where the story ends. It seems like his mother's on her last legs. Okay. Um, yeah. And, and here is where we get to, to a, a, a hard question. Mm. Leon likes to send in the tough questions for me, and I really appreciate okay. it. Um, he says, as you should already know, and I do, Leon, I do, mm -hmm. consumption was the earlier version of hunger and slaughter, which we have discussed before oh. last year, too. Which version do you actually prefer? I feel that in hunger and slaughter, we can feel the inner struggles of Kyung Soo Moore, and the ending was much more tragic, at least in consumption. The readers are left to wonder how this family will continue with their lives. That's why it's so familiar. It is. An I, earlier version. I had deja vu as well. <laughs> because I, I have to admit, when I, when I picked out this story, yeah. I was going through and thinking, oh, this, I, I, we featured Ch uh, Chase O'Hare before, mm -hmm. it'd be good to feature another story. I didn't realise that the story I was picking was going to be the original <laughs> version of Hunger and Slaughter. And so mm -hmm. I was reading it. I had to go through all my notes. I go, we haven't covered this, have we? Yeah. And then I went... Oh, Oh, that's what it is. Um, I don't know. I, I like this version. Um, I think for the reasons that you talk about, Leon, is that there's a little ambiguity. Mm. Um, I think the hunger and slaughter, the, the, the violent, tragic ending is awful and mm. it's really impactful. But at the same time, it's, it's even more hopeless. Mm. So... It's difficult to choose. I think consumption for me is the one I prefer. That hunger and slaughter ending is where he goes out and like kills a load of people. Anyway, he tries to and then gets shot himself, okay. I think, if I'm remembering correctly. I think so. Yeah, so they're both very, very powerful stories. They wrench at your guts in slightly different ways. Mm -hmm. um, and I think Chesa Hayes was an amazing writer who died too early. Mm. And we've missed out on what he could have contributed to Korean literature. Yeah, absolutely. Although I feel it would have got darker, perhaps, and uh, we might have difficulties in reading it. Like Donna says, I can't read this now, but listening to Paul is okay. Marilyn says, you're reading so emotive. It feels all too raw. And uh, Sherry says from Canada, I never want to listen to another audiobook unless it's narrated by Paul Matthews. It's sad enough, but Paul's theatre skills take it up a whole other level. Really do. And I listen to a lot of audiobooks. There aren't many people who have come close to you, Paul. You should do this for a living. You'd have me crying in the car. Well, I have I have narrated a few audiobooks, but you the problem is somebody needs, to do, somebody needs to pay me. This is true. You need to get paid handsomely yeah. for this. It's like a movie in the studio. Oh, well, well, yes, except it's just <laughs> it's just poor old Paul in the microphone. Um, I, I, I want to uh, highlight something connected to the author. Okay. Um, a place that I don't know whether you've ever mentioned on the show before. Uh -huh. Have you heard of Manguri Park? Manguri Park? Yeah, this is in eastern Seoul in Jungnanggu. Okay. Um, it's a massive cemetery park. Oh, There's wow. many walking trails there. Okay. And that is where Che... Saul Hayes' final resting places. Interesting. It's, I didn't know. Yeah, it's also the final resting place of Lee Jung-sop, the artist, and mm -hmm. Bang Jung-hwan, the, the man who basically created Children's Day. Oh, and, yes, uh, and, and the magazines and yes. stuff. Uh, so, I, yes, it's a little strange to recommend a cemetery <laughs> for a visit, perhaps, but on my travels around the world, I found that visiting cemeteries has been a really fascinating insight into 
what life is like and how cultures mourn and respect their dead. Yeah, and in Korea, I think it's more difficult, definitely than in the UK, where you might have a local church cemetery yeah. that you can just walk in and sit on a bench and enjoy. In Korea, we've got a lot of those mountain tombs that you might drive past, but to walk around a park like this, it's not that common, right? It's not. There's another place that I would also recommend that uh-huh. I think is, is really fascinating as, as, a, as a marriage immigrant, mm-hmm. and that's the Yangwajin Cemetery near Hapjong. Mm. And there, you can find the graves and tombs of some of the most important foreign residents of Korea. Wow. If you know your Korean history, you may have heard of Homer Hulbert, Horace Underwood, the Hall family, Rosetta Sherwood Hall, William James Hall and their son, Sherwood Hall. Um, These are just a few of the many uh, who rest there. And it's really interesting if you've read about these people to go and take a moment to pay your respects. Um, It's not for everyone, um, but there are many stories to discover in Korea. And the one thing that connects them all is that they end in death. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And it's good to mourn. And it's good to remember. And I know this is a fictional family, but Mm -hmm. I feel like I want to mourn their loss. Yeah, and it's always, I think, helpful, not easy, but helpful to remind yourself of people who are worse off and also about death on a regular basis, just to appreciate life that little bit more as well. Uh, Thank you, Paul, for your wonderful, such emotive reading today. I agree with Marilyn 100%. Thank you. Thank you to everyone. Thanks to the Literature Translation Institute of Korea for their help with copyright permission for this broadcast. Thank you to Che Sohei for his amazing story and to Janet Hong for a brilliant translation. Next week is the last of our short story summer specials. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a happier, a happier story, I promise. It's called Broken Strings by Kang Kyung Ae. It's translated by Sora Kim Russell. So search for Broken Strings and Sora Kim Russell and you should be able to get uh, the link to read it for absolutely free. Sounds good. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next Wednesday. Goodbye! You can listen to Check It Out with Paul Matthews on Adidang Radio's Hashtag Daily K every Wednesday from 10am KST.